Hello and welcome to the Mike Drago Sportscast for week seven of the Burks football season. Our in-studio guests this week are Coach Joe Mays, the voice behind Wilson Football Social Media, and Darren Ziner, who will be calling Boyertown's game this week for Jerry Geloff Media. Guys, hello and welcome back to the show. Good evening. Thanks for having us. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me back. Always Glad to have people here in the studio to talk football. Nothing better. Big week seven coming up. Biggest game of the week is Governor Mifflin at Exeter. We're going to talk at length about that and about all of the games. But first, just a reminder that the Mike Drago Sportscast is brought to you each week by MikeDragoSports.com, which provides Berks County's most comprehensive coverage of football, basketball, and more. Check out the website to find feature stories, previews of the big games, game reports, and schedules for all the Burks programs. You can subscribe to the website by going to MikeDragoSports.com. And if you go there now, you'll see a feature on Isaac Ruos, the former Governor Mifflin fullback, who is now starting at Navy and uh, coming off a big week and got big personal honors this week. So check out that story. To find out the latest on him. Also an update on Fleetwood's Joey Savoda. Easier to write than say. Uh, he took a little break from football this summer, decided to come back, and has helped Fleetwood off put them in a uh, position to make the district playoffs. The Mike Drago Sportscast is presented this week and every week throughout the season by Utilities Employees Credit Union. UECU invites you to enjoy low loan rates, competitive deposit rates, member rewards, shopping discounts, roadside assistance, and cell phone protection powered by Buzzing. Utilities Employees Credit Union, a powerful new way to save money. Located in Wyomissing at uecu.org slash checking. Now, to week seven of Burke's football, we have nine games on tap this week, all of them Friday night, which means I get part of Saturday off for a change. The biggie, of course, I mentioned, Governor Mifflin, 5-0, and coming off a of bye week, is at Exeter, which is 4-2. and That that essentially um, comes down to the Burke's one championship game. Uh, Burke's Catholic will have something to say about that, but this is, I think, the biggest game in the section this year. Uh, McCaskey is at Wilson. McCaskey's two and four. Wilson three and three. Hard to say that. Hard to read that. But that's where they're at. Burke's Catholic four and two is at Reading High, which has been off for the last two weeks. The uh, in Burke's one we have Daniel Boone at Muhlenberg. Mules still looking for their first win. In Burke's two, it's Conrad Weiser at Hamburg. A big game there for both district playoffs and. For the Section 2 title, Weiser needs that to stay alive. Hamburg has already lost to Wyomissing. Wyomissing is at Twin Valley. Fleetwood is at Schuylkill Valley. And in non-league play, Kutztown hosts Susquehannock. And in the Pac-10, it's Methacton at Boyertown. MikeDragoSports.com will be sending reporters to four of those games. I'll be at the Exeter-Governor Mifflin game. Sam Cavalieri will be covering Conrad Weiser at Hamburg. Jason Garante will be at Twin Valley to watch uh, Wyomissing, unbeaten Wyomissing, state-ranked Wyomissing. And Sean McBrien will be covering Fleetwood at Schuylkill Valley. So check out the website late Friday night for reports on all of those games. And now back to my guests, Joe Mays, 
Darren Ziner. Darren, we'll start with you since you've seen a bunch of Exeter this this season. What are the Eagles going to have to do this week to uh, compete with Governor Mifflin? I took a look at a lot of Governor Mifflin tape to see exactly where potentially Exeter could exploit. And first off, when you take a look at the offensive and defensive line for Governor Mifflin, big boys, they control the line of scrimmage. And it's, it's tough to run against them. They get heavy pressure on the QB. So the first thing I'd say is that Exeter needs to have incredible line play. And you hate to say that they have to play the perfect game, but I think the offensive line really has to step up and play the perfect game. They've got to get the holes open for Nangle and Yoakum, Cabron Woody, even Messiah Robinson. They've got a nice mix of backs there. Give Colin Payne a little time coming off probably his best game of the year. Seven for seven, 167 yards, three TDs. So you give him some time in the pocket, he might be able to exploit that Governor Mifflin secondary. Ooh, I don't know about that. That that, that Governor Mifflin secondary is pretty good. I, I think Exeter's best chance is to keep the ball on the ground, control the football, eat, eat some clock, because in that secondary, you're going against a bunch of Division One talent. I mean, Aiden Martin, people don't realize how good he is at safety because you got Nick Singleton on this team, but you also have Singleton at corner and you have Eden Johnson who at safety guy just comes up and hits and makes big plays. So, so, you know, I don't know that I want to be throwing the ball too much against uh, Mifflin, although that is Exeter's forte. I did watch some tape against Episcopal Academy. And one of the things Noah Font, Noah Font, listen to me, tight end for Denver. Denver. I'm going to call him. <laughs> this is actually Jake Font, threw for 200 plus, almost 300 yards, I think maybe 260 or something like that. But there were a lot of holes in that secondary. So if the offensive line can give them some room, Exeter's got 6'7", Joey Schlaffer, who basically gives some defenses nightmares as far as secondary. So there's a possibility to exploit there. Always uh, fun to see teams try to match up against Joey because he's so tall. He's very athletic, of course, and he's strong. And, uh, uh, you know, you don't see 6'6 receivers at the high school levels. Even in the NFL, you don't see him. I mean, Harold Carmichael's been gone here for 30, 40 years. But, you know, you don't see guys that big. And, and Joe Wilson had trouble containing Schlaffer just like everybody else. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. And I think Darren's right in a way that maybe Exeter could find some holes there when you have Schlaffer and, and, and Strauss. Like, get them to your big guys. But it's already been said, Exeter's going to have to perform almost at a perfect level. Uh, you know, having able to see both these teams from a Wilson perspective, I still think Mifflin is that team to beat. I, I they're, they're strong everywhere. They have... They, Filled in the lines. I thought maybe they'd have issues on the lines this year. That clearly has not been a problem. And Nick Singleton's even better, which is hard to believe that he can get better year over year, but he has. And like you, you mentioned, Aiden Martin overlooked because Eden Johnson and Nick Singleton are back there. But Aiden Martin is as much the D1 prospect as Nick Singleton has become. It's just Nick gets all the uh, all the eyeballs. So where, where do you run? Where do you throw? Where, where do you go? You, you have to find something to expose and... Has a team done it yet? It doesn't appear that way. I thought maybe Harrisburg could, but even though that they were considered maybe a slightly short-handed, that game was in hand early. Yeah, Mifflin it, controlled that game. Uh, it, it, that game was not as close as the score indicated, and it ended up forty-two to seven. Right. I think it, that was close 
the score was close at the half, but it, you, when you watched them, you, know, you right. just never got a sense that Harrisburg was in that game. Box score or scoreboard watching after the fact does not tell the story. We see it all the time in college football when it comes to the polls. People look at the box score, but, oh, 70 to nothing, or, ooh, only, you know, 24-21. But the story is in the details. The, the aptitude of each of the teams is watching the game, not just looking at the scoreboard. Because you don't know a freak play here, missing a guy there, something happens that's out of their control. I look at the Wilson games, the ones, excuse me, the Mifflin games, the ones I've seen, the ones I've read about. None of those games have been close. Mifflin has dominated from, from the get-go, and it's a huge task for the Eagles this week. And it if, if they can upset Mifflin, be one of the biggest surprises that I've ever seen in, in high school football in Berks County. Well, I, th- I think if anybody beats Mifflin, it's going to be an upset until maybe you get to the state final. And, and even then, I'm not so sure. Uh, you know, I, I, I tell you what, I've never said this about a high school football team uh, at, at any point, of the, well, at this point of the season, regular season, but I don't think this team's going to get beat. I mean, you know, I'm sorry to Exeter fans and Berks Catholic fans that, you know, you have good teams, but I don't think anybody in the state is going to touch them. I, I, I don't disagree. I, I'm right there with you. Uh, you know, my my partner on the Bulldog Hour, Justin, and I have said that Mifflin was the best all-around team we've seen in a long time and that we thought it was clearly their league to lose. They, they are they are above everyone. Even with this incredible team that Exeter has this year, I, I don't think they match up with, with Mifflin. Exeter is very good, and I expect them to play well into the playoffs. I just think Mifflin's better. Yeah, it's it's a bad you know it's a bad year to be in five A, and this is one of Exeter's uh, better teams. Maybe you know talent wise, maybe their best team. It's going it's, it's going to be close. We'll see at the end of the year, um, and it's you know just kind of bad luck that you have to go against Mifflin, and not just once, but if Ex, you know if Exeter gets in the playoffs and and has a decent seed, you know they're going to run into Mifflin again. The only thing that I'll say about Exeter is, of course, going through that 56-14 drubbing last year. Perhaps there's the revenge factor that might amp them up a little bit more for this game. But, Joe, I agree with you. It's 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 an uphill battle right now, and we'll see how it shakes out. Well, you know, uh, devil's advocate, Wilson had that same mentality entering this year, and it didn't work in their favor, unfortunately. You know, sitting here from a Wilson perspective, I was hoping that the team would be ready to go. And I'm not saying that they weren't ready to go. I just they were they were outmatched. They couldn't handle it for a second year in a row. And I mean, this is a generational team at Mifflin, quite possibly their best ever. Going up a, an extra team that probably feels the same, right up there with uh, um, the Menet in 2015. You know, his senior season, um, and it is unfortunate. You see it all the time, though. Schools that maybe don't have as as big, long, or great of history, they get a great year, and they think this is a year we can make some noise. But then one of the other teams has a generational team. It, it's just the way the, uh, the the flip of the coin, you know. It's all about timing. I mean, there and, and there are, there are programs you go to traditional programs like a Southern Columbia in football or Chester in basketball where they're they're great every year. And I'm sure they would say some of their state championship teams weren't the greatest, mm-hmm. but it just happened to be yep. there weren't any other great teams out there that that year. And the other side of that coin is, you know, there are a lot of teams that have had their best best teams 
you know, ever. And they just run into, you know, uh, a Lonnie Walker in basketball where, you know, no matter how good your team is, you're not going to beat that guy. So there's a lot of, and I don't like, luck is not the word, but, you know, fortune. You need a lot of good fortune mm -hmm. to win win a championship. And um, um, I, I, I feel for Exeter, obviously, it's, um, I mean, you know, we're, they still have a chance to win. And I'm going to hear, obviously going to hear about it if they do pull this off. But, um, you know, everybody in uh, Mifflin's way uh, this season, it's just has a huge challenge ahead of them. We'll just say that. Of course, we talk about Nick Singleton against Academy. They bring in Emmanuel Corza. He gets three TDs in the first half. So you talk about having those players that are interchangeable, not saying Nick Singleton, uh, Singleton is interchangeable, but they've got guys you can bring in all over the field who are going to step up and play at a high level. Right, and, and that's the thing about Mifflin this year is that they have so much going for them, so much depth, so much talent. At the beginning of the Wilson game, they didn't need Nick Singleton to cause damage. They were able to get the done, uh, get that done with Trey Rock and Eden Johnson. They eventually went to Nick Singleton because why wouldn't you eventually go to Nick Singleton? But there's just so so much there for them, uh, you know. And then that you have Aiden Martin making ridiculous catches down the field. They have so many offensive and defensive weapons that if they don't want to focus on a guy because they know the other team is going to key on them, well, we'll just go this way. And and that's what makes this Mifflin team so talented, so powerful, and f at right now feel unbeatable. I, I would almost like to see them. Uh, play without Nick, uh, you know, maybe for half, just, you know, to be fair about things, just to, to see how really good they are. And I think they would still win most of their games without him. Now, when he's on the field, your defense has to account for him. And, and that makes everybody else's job look uh, easier. It makes, makes the other guys look better. Even if he never touched the ball, your defense would be, you know, focusing on him and, and that affects everything else. But it's, uh, you know, a tremendous team. I, I thought they were a heartbeat away from winning a state title last year. And um, I'll be more surprised if they don't win one this year than I would be surprised if, if they do. Who, who are the big teams out there in 5A after districts? Not to derail, just curious. Uh, I don't I don't know who the big teams are that are out. Either Erie Cathedral Prep, would that be one that could be a possible landmine? Uh, for the Mustangs, See, I don't know who they would come up with because that I believe would be a state championship matchup, or would that be the semifinal matchup? I, I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about Cathedral Prep that they would be, you know, that big team to come out of the West, uh, and then they lost last week. Now, I mean, they're five and one, and okay. they have a tremendous program, so they're still going to be there. But I mean, maybe they're not as. Uh as high up there this year, as talented as they have been in years past, because I know they had been a thorn in the side of Burke Catholic, I believe, for a number of years. That may have been right before or right after the uh, switch to, to a six classifications. I remember watching Burke Catholic uh, fall to Erie Cathedral Prep, and I think it might have been a state semifinal game. But I think they were bumped up to 5A, so they would be one possible roadblock for the Mustangs. But like you said, they, they already lost once. Right, and, and uh, uh, Prep has not... Uh, played at this 5A level. I think this is their first year. Is this their first year? Okay. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, they haven't proven themselves there. And that's a big step up from 4A, which is uh, where they, they dominated and they ran into Burke's Catholic several times and, and hammered, them, hammered them a couple of times. Uh, the, I mean, the number two team in, in 5A is Imhotep Charter. Ah, uh, yes. Um, okay. So you always have to watch out for them. But they have a loss. Um, so just going looking far ahead here if Mifflin wins the district three title which I 
have no doubt that they will. Uh, they would play the District 7. Oh, the Whippeal. Uh, yes, the District 7 champ, which right now, Moon is the highest rated of them. Moon is 6-0. and oh. Okay. Um, and uh, South Fayette, again, a team that's been bumped up. They were they dominated at, I think, 4A. Yeah. I'm sure they won at least one state, state title in 4A. They are now 5A, uh, probably through that PAA uh, victory. Yeah, the the success, transfer and success rules. Success yeah. formula, yeah. Uh, so they're bumped up too, uh, and they're, you know they're going to be a factor, a program like that. Um, so, and the other half of the bracket, it would probably be your, your District One champ, which could be Academy Park or Unionville or uh, Chester. Is um, Chester's uh, having Chester. some real success? Yes. They they went unbeaten this spring, or I think they lost one game this spring. They're five and one. Four and one, and now they're six and zero. Oh, so Chester's got it going. But if we, the other the other state semifinal would be the District One champ versus either Imhotep or or Cathedral Prep, one of those two teams. Imhotep, that's interesting. You know, now well, I guess we're closing in on a decade now. But you just mentioned um, on a show recently about how they had to. Or it was in the write-up about why missing's greatest games because they had to beat an, an Emotep team that was favored and expected to win in the state semifinals when they went on to win the championship in 2012 with Alex Anzalone. Um, so Emotep's now all the way up at 5A. It's quite a change in a decade. Yes, that's right. That's right. They're up and I'm, well. They've only been bumped one classification by the success formula. They uh, must have in, increased enrollment because they're a charter school, so right. they can kind of move in and out. Um, based on en enrollment and we'll have new classifications coming out uh in about six weeks so right. we'll find out i know a lot of people antsy to see if uh any of the other burke schools move up to 6a for the next two-year cycle because mifflin missed out by one literally one male enrollment uh the last time from being 6a so let's take a break for a moment and hear a word from our sponsor utilities employees credit union Pennsylvania athletes, families, and fans, Utilities Employees Credit Union invites you to enjoy our low loan rates, competitive deposit rates, member rewards, shopping discounts, new roadside assistance service, and cell phone protection powered by Buzzing. Get started online at uecu.org or stop by our branch in Wyomissing on Meridian Boulevard. So, Darren, you've been watching a lot of Exeter football this, this year. They had um, a huge win against Wilson week uh, three and then kind of laid an egg at, at Hempfield. Now, were you at that game? I was, and I actually did watch that game. I think what happened was Exeter went up early 14-0. It was a Ty Yoakum run, an Eric Nangle run, and I think really what happened was they got complacent. They started playing a, a double tight end set and really didn't try to expand the field, didn't try to spread it. And I think ultimately that's what, it was a big play on Hemfield's part, a 71-yard touchdown, I believe, in that game, which brought it to a 14-9 score at one point. So I really think that's that was the bump in the road in that game. I mean, and nothing against Hemfield because they came back the next week and they beat Warwick. And last week, Warwick beat... Mannheim Central and sorry Joe Mannheim Central beat Wilson yeah. so uh, boy the LL's uh, tough to figure out we'll get to that in a minute but there's been a lot of that going on in the LL with teams uh, you know one team beating another and, and it's hard hard to say uh, uh, 
you know, who's the best team in that league or, or in Lancaster County, uh, at least. So, uh, well, let's let's talk a little about football now. Uh, Wilson uh, bounced back last week with a, you know, easy win. I guess we could call it easy um, against um, Penn Manor, 40 to 6, which they always beat. They never lost to Penn Manor. Uh, this week, McCaskey, uh, probably not expecting much, much different from from that that game right no from from what i could tell from write-ups and watching some of the games online and huddle highlights and that um there's the group of three games to start the ll league play for wilson uh penn manor was thought to be the most difficult of the three followed by this week with mccaskey and then cedar crest and wilson dispatched the comments with ease thankfully Uh, i know there was some some doubt because of the way that the first five games went if they could come out and take care of business against an opponent you thought might not be as, as good as them, but you weren't sure because of some of the things you just mentioned. And it's interesting. We've been harping on this on the Bulldog Hour that the league seems to be very wide open, not just in Section 1, but you talk about Wilson just beat Penn Manor. That's great, but we weren't sure about Penn Manor because they were 4-1. Their only loss was the Lampeter Strasburg. They got shut out big by them, but Lampeter Strasburg had lost to Warwick, who Penn Manor beat. And like there's this whole round, you know, ring around the rosy type, this happened here, but this happened here. It's really weird how some of these teams match up or some of the teams weren't up on their A game when they played the other opponent. It's just real wacky. If you look through the scores of these teams, especially the crossover games, and for Warwick to beat Mannheim Central this week and Wilson lost to Mannheim Central two weeks ago, it, it, it's really out there, and that's why I say it seems very wide open, the, the league titles. Um, but Wilson has McCaskey at Gursky Friday night, and it, it's a, the same thing every year when Wilson plays McCaskey. It's all about their team speed. They have incredible athletes. Again, they have a returning quarterback who feels like he's been there for a number of years. I believe he's only a junior in Matt Remash. Um, Shamir Covington, great, great uh, running back had a huge I think the only points that McCaskey scored last week against Hemfield was on like an 81 82 yard touchdown by Covington if he gets into the open field he's gone um, a, a variety of receivers who can do the same thing and a couple linemen back um, but Wilson should be be favored in this game they should be able to go in and take care of business especially hopefully now their confidence is up after showing everyone what they can do when they're at full strength and when they've gone through the ringer of that brutal non-league schedule. We, we talked about it on this show, and everyone that talked about Wilson this year was the first five games. How are they going to handle the first five games? It wasn't great at times, but hopefully they're going to be better for it, that they can get some wins here in the early part of the section uh, season, and then really go to battle uh, in the final few weeks and possibly defend their section championship. So... You know, are you ready to say Wilson's back after last week and they got Jaden Jones back in the fold after he sat out two weeks? That obviously was a huge factor for them. When you lose to Mannheim Central by a field goal and and Jaden's not in the game, you got to say, well, we we probably would have won that with him. Um, You know, what's the thought? Are they headed back to this Week 10 showdown with Mannheim Township? I I know. I don't want to give anyone... uh bulletin board material or anything <laughs> oh, i go, certain go ahead I, well but Lay i also don't there. i don't want i don't buy into the you know wilson's back mentality just because they beat penn manor they've done that 30 plus times over the years which i was contacted by someone to say that that could be the longest streak in the state of 
one team beating an opponent that many times in a row. And I said, if you find that to be true, let me know because I would love for that to uh, for that to be true to have another streak uh, in Wilson's name. Um, but they look good. But we now we know Wilson was better than Penn Manor, so you just chalk that up. You move on to the next one. To to me. I, I definitely think Wilson Manheim Township will decide the section championship, but I do not in any capacity want anyone to overlook Hempfield. Like that trip to Landisville scares me. Wilson has had some struggles there and on a, on a, on a few section road trips in the past. Warwick going to Lidditz, I'm glad that hasn't happened now for a few years because that always seemed to be um, a, a roadblock. Wilson came out on top, but it was close a few times a few years ago. And the last trip there was not was not a good one in 2018, but C- Coach Ager is doing a great job with Hempfield, and that game is going to be a battle, um, you know, in in three weeks' times. Um, it, it'll come down to that those three: Wilson, Hempfield, and Township, which I believe was everyone's expectations going into the year. So that those three teams are meeting towards the end of the year to decide it. Um, yeah, it just feels right, and I think Wilson's performance. Last week and hopefully these next two weeks will show that um, they're going to be able to go toe to toe with the the two big big ones left on the schedule. Then now favorable thing for in the schedule in Wilson's favor uh, one is um, uh, in week eight the week before Wilson plays Hempfield Hempfield plays Mannheim Township okay they play at Township so those two teams you know going to they're going to go after it they're going to beat each other up a little bit um, and. Uh, I think that always helps. And the other thing is that in week 10, um, Wilson's at home against Township. So yes. every little every little bit counts. It always helps to be at home. But again, I think that's, I st- you know, I thought it was a toss-up in, in preseason between Wilson and Township. I thought they were kind of co-favorites. I didn't go out on the limb and, and predict either one because I, I just didn't think there was enough information to say that you could favor one or the other, but it, it does look like Township is really um, gaining some momentum. They had a little bit of a slow start. They lost to Dallas Town in Week Two, which I found to be a big surprise. Yeah, another they, one of those weird, like what happened earlier in the season. Why did this team lose to this team? Because I believe Hemfield beat Dallas Town the the week before. I believe that was their first game of the season. You're right. Well, Hemfield, uh, and again, you know, that's why I keep saying I, I don't want to, I don't want to diss Hemfield because they have some nice wins here. But yeah, Hemfield beat Dallas Town 28 to, to 21, and then the next week, um, uh, Township loses to Dallas Town. So, um, yeah, it's you know you don't you don't want to be betting any money on on um, Lancaster Lebanon football this year. That's for sure. Uh, and Dallas Town is only they're only I mean they're four and two and they're uh, the playoffs started right uh, this week they they would not even make the district playoffs so uh, but anyway back to Township I I think they're gaining momentum after that loss to Harrisburg and again we we saw Harrisburg and it was against Mifflin so maybe that Mifflin tends to distort things Harrisburg did not look like a very good team that week and they were without their starting quarterback but um, since that loss Township has three nice really really nice wins in a row they they. They won at Springfield, uh, Spring Ford by two touchdowns. They they easily beat Cucalico, which is a little down this year. And then of course last week they beat Cedar Crest. No great shakes there, but I I just get the sense that a Township is gaining momentum and their program like like Wilson now they have elevated themselves. Mark Evans has elevated that program to that status, and they're the kind of team like Wilson that gets better each week throughout the season. And you know. You, you think, well, that's a natural. Of course, teams are always going to get better, but not everybody 
<laughs> improves or improves at the same rate that those top playoff teams like Township does. And I honestly think Township's best win came in week one. I believe it was week one against CD East. CD East is a very strong team again this year. Um, they're second in the D3 power ratings right now at five and one. And I think um, CD East only losses to. Oh, uh, I'm not, not going to remember off the top of my head. I, they I can lost tell you. To, you oh, uh, Manheim Township. Township <laughs> it's, that's, yeah. that's their only loss. Yeah. So, yeah, CD East is, is, is a very strong team. They beat Warwick, Cedar Cliff, Altoona, State College, and Cumberland Valley. Now, they have still have to run the gamut of Harrisburg and Central Dolphin are two of their last four games. But CD East is very strong, and Manheim Township was able to beat them in the first game of the season. But you're right. Manheim Township is what they've grown to. Uh, be under Mark Evans, especially since uh, 2017, that that group has been rolling and they've just been able to build up the program and they just have next man up mentality. Uh, they have a young quarterback that's already turning some heads. They just seem to have a, a nice rotation. Um, you know, they lose one to graduation. They've got some of the step up, you know, and they have Anthony Ivy. So anytime you have a D1 recruit at wide receiver, that's going to garner attention and probably double teams that's going to open up somewhere else whether it's another receiver or a, a, a running back group you know last week i believe he only had one catch for less than 10 yards but they won by what 30 points or something like that so um whether he's used as a, a decoy or, or what you have to game plan for him and he can turn the game not just on the offense but in special teams too i think in, in week one he had a 99 yard kickoff return or punt return for a touchdown so uh, he, he's dangerous and township the blue streaks are dangerous and you know ll probably did the right thing scheduling uh wilson mt for week 10 hopefully both teams can get there undefeated and and have that literally be a league championship game we're only four weeks away from the start of the district playoffs and i'll tell you what i wouldn't venture a guess as to who's going to win the 6a title I mean, you know, only eight teams are going to qualify. And I, I'll tell you right now, there are probably 10 teams that could win it at this point. I mean, Central York is, is unbeaten. They're, they're the only uh, unbeaten 6A team in District 3. And I'm not totally sold on them. Uh, Darren, did you, you saw them play Exeter in the season opener. And Exeter, you know, was a play away from sending that game to overtime or maybe winning it. If it wasn't for big plays from Central York, Exeter would have won that game. I think in the five touchdowns that Central York scored, they scored in under two minutes and 13 seconds as far as those individual drives. So, yeah, it wasn't anything sustained. It was quick hits, and if they don't have those big plays, Exeter runs away with it. And that's a Central York team that was coming off of a state championship appearance with a Division One quarterback. And, you know, so they're a veteran team. Exeter had not been in that position, you know, for a season opener. That's a tough tough job for them uh, and you know I'd like I'm sure they'd like to see it too a rematch of that game uh, now they're in different classification but I'm just saying now that Exeter you know has played five six games under their belt I'm they're a little bit different team and you know I'm sure they would like a, a second crack at them but the point is I don't think Central is a dominant team or an overwhelming favorite uh, and Joe you know who would you pick right now if I said give me a 6A champ I probably would have to give benefit of the doubt to Central York. I have not seen them play in person, but you know they're they're undefeated. They've beaten a few teams, especially the Exeter game was a big one to open the year. Uh, I know they're, they they uh, I believe they actually won one of their games via forfeit so this year because of COVID. Um, 
you know, they beat up on Cumberland Valley. They beat Hempfield, who who is right there in the discussion. They haven't had to play any of their big um, York games yet. They have Spring Grove, Dallastown, and York William Penn three of the next four weeks. And uh, Spring Grove is having one of their best best years uh, in a while. Dallastown, you know, we mentioned already. Um, they 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 played well against Hempfield and Mannheim Township, beating Mannheim Township. And then they, the rivalry game against York William Penn is the big one, in, and that's not till week 10. You know, that's the last game of the year. And that one, I would think, will be for the, the that York-Adams uh, championship. I, I would give Central York the edge right now, but like you said, I, I would I would want to take the field. If someone said, give me one team or the field, I'm taking the field. Oh. Because like you said, I honestly agree with you that there's at least six, eight, maybe ten teams that could win the title, and only eight of them will get a crack at. I mean, Wilson, I'm hoping is going to get on a little roll here, but if I, if they don't win out, I'm not sure they even make the field. Yeah, I don't think six and four is going to be good enough. They have to go seven and three. They have to win the league to uh, sneak in, and even then, I think they're going to be in the bottom half. Um, I think Harrisburg is is very good as well. You, um, the setback to Mifflin, but like you said. Uh, probably every team that Mifflin runs into this year is going to suffer a setback. So I don't count that one too much against them. I think Harrisburg, Central York are my top two, but I really do believe you look down the entire list of the the way it sits right now. Um, any of those teams, Central York, C- I, we just talked about CD East. I don't know what to make of Central Dolphin. They've missed a couple games um, as a result of, of the shutdown. They're not going to be able to make those up, which throws a wrench into the power ratings, but they should have the minimum number of games played to make the field. Um, they weren't super impressive in week one, but they're another team. You know, you mentioned Mannheim Township, how much better they got throughout the year. Central Dolphin is a team just like that. I remember back to uh, 2019 when Wilson beat them in week one and the, just how much better the Rams got throughout the year and eventually made the state championship game. I could see that happening with Central Dolphin this year, as long as they get to keep playing the games. But York, William Penn, Hempfield Township—I mean, Carlisle—you know, a team that we haven't said anything about. Um, they, those Mid Penn teams, get to beat up on each other, just like the LL teams. Though, I think any of the final eight, they get on a roll. They can, they can be going to Hershey and and beyond. So it really is super wide open. I do not remember a year like this in recent memory you know this is i've been doing this for 13 years now it usually seems that there's two or three teams that you're like it's got to be one of them that's going to win if you look at the um the seeds going in the the great district three history website I, i don't know that more than a handful of teams outside of the top four have ever actually won a district championship and they're almost all one two threes and this year, you could see, you could see an eight team squeak by and then roll to a championship. It didn't is really it, crazy. Didn't, wasn't Wilson like a seven or a thirteen one year, and they and they won the district? Um, uh, maybe like no. eight, eight ten years ago. Wilson, whenever Wilson won the district championship, we've been in the top four. Okay. Um, in twenty eleven, we were outside the top four. I want to say five or six. Because that was the year we had to go to Daniel Boone. Uh, we played the way game. Then we had to go to Cumberland Valley. Won both the, those games and then lost to Central Dolphin the year that they won the state title, beating North Allegheny. Um, but Wilson that year was not in the top four. I want to say five or six, but um, we, we didn't we did win that year. That was 2011. Yeah, every, every year Wilson's won it, they have been a top four team, top four seed. 
you mentioned Central Dolphin, and that's one of those programs that, you know, I lump in there with Wilson and, and Township where you just know they they always get better by the end of the season. Uh, Wilson played them in week one. You can totally throw that game out um, because Central's going to get better. Now, they missed a couple games. They're, they're going to have enough games left on the schedule to qualify, and they'll, they'll certainly be battle-tested and, and – um, uh, Coach Mack always puts out a good team, so I wouldn't write them off. I just think this is going to be a, a fun tournament. And as as wide open as 6A is, 5A, I mean, has no interest to me, <laughs> only because I don't think anybody's close. I, a couple of weeks ago, I would have said, you know, Mannheim Central was going to be the biggest threat to Mifflin, but even in that, I, I don't think that game's close. If you take Mifflin out, the group of Mannheim Central, Exeter, Warwick – are very it's very interesting to me mm-hmm. I, I would love I, ho- I hopefully we'll get those teams matched up somewhere i would love to see that because i think those would be very interesting intriguing matchups those three teams are going to be right there i know pro- competing to see who's going to play mifflin in the championship would be my guess how about if we we propose like a um uh, mifflin gets a bye to the championship game let everybody <laughs> else have their own tournament see who comes out of it it'd be more interesting that way wouldn't it uh, 4A, and then this was this one really uh, surprised me. Burke's Catholic uh, kind of came out of nowhere, and they are the number one seed in, in 4A. Uh, again, that's a classification that is uh, wide open. I don't think this is a uh, not nearly one of Burke's Catholic's better teams, uh, but, but they're 4-2, they're and two, but the, the loss to Malvern Prep doesn't count in district, so technically, at least for district purposes, they're 4-1, and one, and um, they're... Uh, strength of schedule has really helped them out here because they, they play, um, uh, you know, they've played a, a pretty tough schedule for a 4A team. Uh, but, but Bishop McDevitt is is lo- is looming there. They're, they're ranked fifth right now. But, again, they were kind of the team that I looked at before the season thinking, you know, somebody's going to have to beat McDevitt. I would still say that. Uh, Darren, have you gotten a look at Burke's Catholic yet? I actually have. I called the game against Chichester. Something interesting about Burke's Catholic, they come out of the gates firing. They build up big leads in the first half. In the second half against Chichester, they gave up three long touchdowns. It was literally that they had shut it down. Keeping that intensity was tough for them. So I think moving forward, they're going to have to find a way to maintain that intensity in the second half in order to be able to move forward. Yeah, and that's surprising because Burke's Catholic, one of their strengths is their speed, especially in that secondary. they got J.J. Jordan. They've got Christian Caccione. um, Armstead is fast. Uh, They've got some guys that that can run, and you shouldn't be giving up big plays there, but they've given up a lot of passing yards. So uh, I'm not sure what's going on there, but, you know, they're they're a talented team, um, and they're they're still going to get a crack at, at Mifflin and Exeter. Again, the schedule makers were were good in section one where the all the, the key games are, you know, this week, week seven, nine, ten, which is good. It keeps keeps the interest up. Uh, why missing? We gotta talk about why missing. Um, I don't think either of you have, have seen them play, am I right? I have not. Yeah, but not, yeah, not in person. They're they're coming off of a win at, at Southern Columbia, which is just uh you know, amazing. Um, not, not. I'm not going to say it's stunning or, 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 or it is a tremendous upset because this is a very good why missing team. Uh, we, we kind of thought that they were, uh, that they paled a little in comparison to last year's team, which played for a state title. But after this week, uh, you know, th- these guys have kind of created their own identity 
and it's, it's still a relatively young team, but to go up to Southern Columbia and, and beat them on their home field where they hadn't lost in seven years, they had a 93-game winning streak, regular season winning streak going, and the nation's longest winning streak at 65 games. Uh, and to go up there and not just beat them, but handle them what was pretty impressive. I know I saw it in the paper as far as a couple why missing players interviewed after the game and they just talked about the atmosphere over there just being insane as if it was a state championship game and essentially it very well could have been but from a standpoint of just the as far as the fans into it the coaches the players the whole atmosphere they were pretty impressed by it yeah they were they were obviously excited for that game uh, Southern was missing its starting quarterback. Big factor there. Although the way Y missing won that game, uh, the quarterback didn't come into play. They blocked a punt. They had a, 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 a sack and scoop and scoop and score. You know, another another seven points there. They had a kickoff return for a touchdown, and they won by twenty one points. So uh, you know they made the huge plays and and defensively they shut down. Uh, or contained Southern's running game, which is really was the strength of their team anyway. They were not a passing team. They're a wing T team like Wyoming missing. So, you know, even though they didn't have their quarterback and that hurt them, he was not going to, you know, bring them back with his, with his throwing arm, I don't think, once they're down two or three touchdowns. So that, you know, super impressive win for Wyoming missing. And again, like I said, in 5A, the District 3, 3A tournament, it's just going to be a snoozer. I'm sorry. There's nobody, I, you know, I, I can't even see, I mean, you know, YMS is going to play three games in districts. They're all going to be mercy rule games. I mean, that's, what can you say? The, it, the competition is just not there right now. Well, one, one of the teams in there is Hamburg, who I'm missing just handled 47 to seven. They're the, they're the three right, right now in the power ratings. So yeah, it looks to me just like we, we kind of consider Mifflin a shoe in in five a, I would think why missing uh, has a very good chance of, of running the table in three a again. Uh, I'm not familiar with some of these other, other teams, but outside of why missing boiling Springs and Hamburg, everyone's 500 or lower in terms of win loss record. Um, so why missing has the inside track for sure. They should get that home field advantage, which is always, you know, a welcome sight for Spartans fans, but people that have to travel to the A field on a Saturday in the playoffs, not going to be too happy about that, but why missing has been able to get the job done. And, you know, every year they just, uh, they just reload. It doesn't seem to matter. Um, the graduation hits they take, they've got that, that same next man up mentality and, um, like so many of the great teams that we've talked about tonight, uh, it starts with the coaching staff and why missings is, is top notch. And I've got to know a few of them over the years, specifically uh, their offensive line coach, Steve O'Neill, the job that he's been able to do um, and the recognition now that some of his players are getting uh, is absolutely incredible. So kudos to them. And I look forward to, uh, to their run this fall. Uh, you know, you graduate six all state players, You'd think you'd take a little bit of a step back, and and you know if they have, it's a it's a darn small step back. Uh, but again, I you know I see them uh, uh, running the table at least you know in into into states and in in three A. Um, now, if Wyoming missing wins a district title, um, you know they might run into say Scranton Prep in the in the uh, state 
quarterfinals and then maybe Danville or uh, Notre Dame or North Schuylkill more likely in the state semi, and that would be a really good Ooh, game. That would be a really good yeah. game. North yeah. Schuylkill hasn't lost. They didn't lose last year. People kind of forget they won the District 11 championship. But they didn't play. Yeah. Right. District 11 opted out of the state playoffs, so we don't know, you know how far North Schuylkill uh, would have gone. Um, but uh, they are likely to be both teams unbeaten, you know, once we get to that point. Um, and again, I, you know, I wouldn't count this why missing team out because they're so balanced. They play great defense, which is going to keep you in every game. Uh, they've got a lot of weapons and, and, you know, now with this win over Southern, um, they've got to believe they, they can beat anybody at this point. So, uh, you know, we have a Berks County, we have a couple of real powerhouse teams that, that are just going to be fun to watch, uh, all the way into December, hopefully. Let's take a time out just to acknowledge our sponsor, Utilities Employees Credit Union. Did you know that Pennsylvania residents can become a member of Utilities Employees Credit Union? For 30 years, UECU has received the five-star superior rating from Bauer Financial, an independent firm that analyzes banks and credit unions. UECU has been assessed as having the highest ranking level in capital adequacy, asset quality, and stability. Get started online at UECU.org or stop by our branch in Wyomissing on Meridian Boulevard. So we're getting close to district playoffs. Week seven, that's uh, four weeks away. Uh, or you, Every team has four games left to play. And a couple of teams on the hot seat um, for Burks. One of them, Conrad Weiser, which is uh, four and two. And, you know, they took a loss two weeks ago to Twin Valley, which really, really hurt their, their playoff chances. Um, and they are currently, let's see, where is Conrad Weiser? They are number eight in 4A, uh, the top 10 qualify. So they're, they're kind of, you know, just above the cut line. They don't have much room, much, uh, uh, you know, error for margin here. They get Hamburg this week, then New Oxford, which is 4-2, and two, uh, Kutztown, and then, of course, they have to uh, end up the uh, end the season playing against Wyoming. Missing. Uh, so that makes the uh, this Hamburg game really critical for them this week. Yeah, I mean, if you want to make the playoffs, you got to win the games in front of you. And uh, Conrad Weiser didn't do themselves any favors losing that one to Twin Valley. And, you know, like we just got talk, done talking about the Spartans, you got to expect that there's going to be at least one more loss on the schedule. Uh, you're sitting at eight in the power, power rankings. Only 10 teams make it. Like you said, no margin for error. So the scouts have to be ready to go. Uh, we mentioned Wilson. They're on They're on my uh, list of teams on the hot seat. Of course, they get McCaskey this week, then Cedarcrest. They should be okay there, but then they end up against uh, Hemfield and Township. And, um, it, you know, they must, they, they're must. they going to have to win at least three of those four and possibly all four. Uh, the other, another team on the, hot, on the hot seat here, Daniel Boone. Uh, da Daniel Boone in 5A. They are currently number 15. The top 14 teams qualify. Uh, the Blazers are three and three, and they have an uphill battle. Uh, now the next two weeks they get Muhlenberg and then uh, Reading High, which you figure they should be able to win those games. But they close with Mifflin and Exeter. That's going to be tough. I, I don't think five and five is, is going to make 
districts in, in 5A. Uh, it'll be close. Uh, right now, uh, there are a bunch of teams at, at 500, so they, they have a chance. But, um, you know, the Blazers may need to pull off a, a, an upset there at the end and beat Exeter to, to sneak in. Hard to say. And the last team on the, uh, on the hot seat here, uh, Twin Valley. Uh, they get why missing this week. Schuylkill Valley, Hamburg, and Gettysburg. Gettysburg is four and two. Uh, the Raiders uh, were last week number four in the district rankings. They slipped a couple spots. They're now number nine after losing to Fleetwood, which was a, a bad loss uh, for them. They barely looked flat, and that that one may be the one that ends up uh, keeping them out of districts. Uh, Twin Valley, you know, they're going to have to, you know, win at least two of those final four games, get to six and four. I think if they do that, they'll get in again. If they're 500, they're going to be right on the, uh, right on the cut, cut block there. So, um, that, that'll be tough, tough to get in there. Darren, thoughts on the district playoffs, who you like and, and who do you think might be in trouble? Well, as far as who I like, certainly you can't go against Governor Mifflin. You can't go against why I'm missing. They're going to be there every single year. Like Joey said, they just have a way of losing the guys that got them there, and they bring the talent up through the program just to be there again. Um, I think, obviously, as far as you had mentioned, Daniel Boone having a rough end of schedule, especially that last game, if Exeter has something to play for, that's going to be an uphill battle for them. So, and, and even as I look at this, and I think Exeter obviously has a chance to get in as well. I'm not totally sold on it just because of the numbers that can get in. We'll see what happens, but uh, that's, that's essentially what I'll see there. I think Daniel Boone probably is the biggest question mark that I have right now. You know, the X factor, which I didn't bring up, and I hate to talk about it, but it's COVID, uh, which has been uh, troublesome for teams. Now, Brooks... Burke's teams have not been affected uh, a whole lot so far. Reading High is the only team that's that's had to uh, cancel a game. Uh, other teams have been affected by their opponents outside of Burke's um, canceling. And, you know, like a bunch of teams in Lancaster County have had to cancel games. Uh, Mid-Penn teams have had to do it. Burke's, we've been a little lucky, but... Again, we get deeper into fall here and getting close to winter, and um, and then once you get in the playoffs, uh, that's you know we're not we're not past it. We were hoping a couple months ago that we wouldn't have to be thinking about this, but you know that could be an X factor in the playoffs too. Yeah, worry about that, especially if some teams fall out of contention. You know, they just had a, a meeting about you know they don't want teams using COVID as an excuse to ditch stronger teams, and that could have a huge impact on the power ratings. You know, we talked about Central Dolphin earlier, and they had a little battle with uh, COVID-related issues, and they had to cancel games. The two teams they didn't play, Manheim Township and Harrisburg. So they missed two 6A teams. All those teams are in battling for playoff spots and for a district championship, and the, those teams now didn't get to meet in the regular season. And we saw how the power ratings do not work if you don't play the teams in your league. Last year, York Adams only played each other. They ended up having two undefeated teams crash the four-team party, the power ratings, they just didn't work last year. It didn't make any sense with the way that they, they were operated. They eventually made changes for other sports, but football was kind of this guinea pig, and they realized that this isn't going to work. We have to make some changes. Now this year, unfortunately, the same situation, but not in the same manner, is happening again. I, I really hope, and this is not Wilson-centered at all, because Wilson ends with Hemfield and Township teams also trying to get in and, and win a championship 
I just don't want to see around the state teams saying, you know, I think we're having COVID issues. We don't want to play anymore just because they're having a down year. It's important that the kids get to play. We were fighting for it all last year. Everyone across the state let the kids play. And then you have teams maybe saying, I don't think we need to do this. We might have a COVID issue. It's a real shame. And it obviously was happening enough around the state, maybe not in District 3, um, that the PIAA had to step up and say something about it. Yeah, you know, and, and, and it's it's a shame. You know, one of these Friday nights in the playoffs in November, we're going we're gonna to hear a, a team here or there can't play, and you hate to see that happen, especially when it gets to the championship round like happened last year in 5A. Mifflin was set to play Warwick, and then Warwick had a bad outbreak and they couldn't play. And, you know, that was just a terrible shame for that program that's been on, on the upswing. Warwick has really, the last several years, uh, improved dramatically uh, and, and to the point where I, I kind of wish they were still in section one. I mean, I'm, Doug Doms probably doesn't mind missing them, but you know, they're a competitive team and I, I enjoy seeing that in section one could use a few more teams like that, but um, they're in section two right now, but uh, they, you know, they would have certainly given Mifflin a great game. That would have been an awesome game to watch uh, Warwick's high powered offense go against governor Mifflin last year. And unfortunately it, it never came out. It never came off. So. Uh, we'll just keep our fingers crossed and hope um, hope we can avoid a lot of that. So we're going to wrap things up for our Week 7 Mike Drago Sports Podcast. Just to remind you that uh, this week's show and every week's show is brought to you by our sponsor, Utilities Employees Credit Union. UECU invites you to enjoy low loan rates, competitive deposit rates, member rewards, shopping discounts, roadside assistance, and cell phone protection powered by Bazing. Utilities Employees Credit Union, a powerful new way to save money. Located in Wyomissing or at uecu.org slash checking. So Darren, you're going to be broadcasting uh, Boyertown versus Methacton. Tell our listeners how they can listen to you. You can go on the web jerry gellif media and you can find that at jgmedia.us take a look at that site and you can select either boyertown exeter or burke's catholic you'll be able to listen to the game of your choice jg media not easy to say i'll have to brush up on that because i'm actually going to be calling a game uh friday night for jerry uh governor mifflin at exeter i'll be on the air for that, so I need to, need to brush up on that name. Joe, you will be at uh, Gursky Stadium to watch McCaskey. You'll be tweeting. You'll be taking photographs. You'll be taking notes for the Bulldog Hour. Uh, tell our listeners how they can listen uh, to you and, and see your work. Yeah, you can check out uh, myself and my broadcasting partner, Justin Raffoff, on the Bulldog Hour every Sunday evening, 830 we recap uh, the past week game. We preview the next week game. All that can be found at bulldoghour.com. And like Mike said, I'll be at the Wilson McCaskey game at Gursky Stadium Friday night. It's a lot going on Friday night. Besides the football game, it's pink out for breast cancer awareness. It's homecoming. And, um, you know, you might be a little bit surprised to see Wilson not wearing red and white come Friday night as they have teamed up with the Pennsylvania um, 
Army National Guard and part of their um, recruitment activities. So if you want to see something a little bit different, head to Gursky and uh, check out the Bulldogs Friday night against uh, the Tornado. Now, are they going to be wearing like fatigue-style uniforms? Well, I don't know if I'm at liberty to say exactly what they'll be wearing or doing, but you may see a, a post about it tomorrow evening if you want to follow me at Coach Joe Mays on Twitter. You don't want to break that big news here? Uh, you know, I put out a little tease already, so I think people can connect the dots, but, um, you know... Hopefully these uh, special uniforms arrive on time and the Bulldogs will get to wear them. So oh, they're, they're not here yet. Well, yeah, it's a it's a whole thing. It's a okay. whole thing. And uh, give your Twitter address so people can follow you, sure. follow well, you there. So I, I do the team stuff from at Wilson Bulldogs, but my personal account is at Coach Joe Mays. All right. Gentlemen, thanks once again for joining me on the podcast. And we're going to wrap things up and say goodbye for now. We'll be back again next week to talk about Burke's Football Week 8.